This is The Union, the intersection between people, apps, and AI. We'll inspire and challenge you as we ask questions, uncover insights, and share inspiring stories about digital ecosystems and automation. Hi, I'm Scott King, and this is Chris Krause. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about conversational AI. If you've spent any time online lately in the past month or so, you've seen chat GPT, you've seen uses for it, you've seen people playing around for it, with it. Any opening remarks, Chris? Have you played with it? I've played with it. I get a lot of timeouts. I'm like, yeah. if I was actually using it to write my term papers, I'd be hosed because two thirds of the time I'm like, there's no more sessions. So I've played with it, but probably not as much as you have. Yeah. I have seen people say that it, you know, there are timeouts and they can't get access. Normally when I'm using it, it's like six o'clock in the morning here. Yeah. I've never had an issue with it. Yeah. Um, not at 10 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I did ask it, you know, where is conversational AI going. So I typed in, you know, where is conversational AI going? And I'm just going to read what it, what it told me. So it says conversational AI is progressing rapidly and is being used in a variety of applications. It's being used to automate customer service, provide personal assistance and automate sales processes. In the future, we can expect to see conversational AI used in more sophisticated applications, such as providing medical advice, helping with legal issues and providing a more natural and intuitive user interface. So does that sound accurate? It told me that. I don't know if that's right. I think that we're litigious and there's a lot of, I can't imagine medical advice other than, because people, any any ailment they have, they're going to Google. And with legal issues, you know, what are you going to tell Judge Judy? You know, ChatGPT told me this should be my defense. And she's like, hmm. No, because that was not, that wasn't lawyer's advice. So I think the trick is it's learning content from the internet all over the firewall, across the firewall, anywhere. And probably the most popular content wins. You don't know if it's the right answer. So I don't think I would actually like diagnose a mole based on color by talking to GPT. And with legal advice, I'd be a little concerned. Is this um, like, conjecture hearsay is this actually something that a court case found and so but i think it's an a really cool technology i mean people are they're liking the interaction with the conversation and the fact it gives you like a written context back versus search links and that actually kind of cool yeah you know you did say that it learns from the the internet right i mean it's a sophisticated language learning model and the yep. training data is out there on the internet. And it, it tells you it goes up until like late 2021 20, or something. Cause I always ask mm-hmm. it like who won the football game last week. And it gave me one like two years ago. Yeah. You know, just playing with it. But you know, if you really wanted a, an answer like that, like, Hey, what happened five minutes ago? What happened last month? You know, kind of like a status report. Like, could this be used inside the firewall. So if I'm a if I'm an enterprise person, right? Finance, sales, customer support, like, you know, using something like that inside the firewall to help me help somebody else, that seems valuable. Is is that ever going to work? I think that the concept of conversational AI should solve that. I'm not sure if chat GPT will exactly solve that because it does have to retrain the algorithms and that's something that doesn't happen in real time. But 
should we be able to interact with software via conversation and actually get an answer back like we do with conversation you know, chat GPT? We should. It's like that's where people are going. And the difference is, you know, you could actually take, say, chat GPT and train on your intranet in your company. So all your HR policies, all your all your how-to manuals and that. So you would have curated or, or gave it specific information to understand. So it would give you an answer in the context of your business itself. And I think that over time, computers will get faster. Those the, the ability to retrain and learn will get faster. And I think that's like static lookups. But I think the other side of conversational AI is like, can we interact with the system? Like, can I actually ask the ERP or the warehouse management system something and get a response back and actually do a real-time lookup into a system? And I think that's really exciting for the enterprise. Yeah, because that's what an agent would do anyway. I recently got a new smartphone from T-Mobile and they they had a sale. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll get one. And they, before they before they gave me the phone, of course, they have to see what they had in the store available because I was just in the store. And um, and they said, okay, you can have this or this one. But they had to go look it up. Like I could have looked up, yeah. like, hey, what kind of phone can I have right now? And that would be helpful. They had to look up in a inventory management system. So if we're looking at conversational AI and we're looking at you know who our buyers listen to, the analysts. So I did take a look at what. Forrester and Gartner say about AI and about chat GPT, things like that. One interesting point that, uh, that they made was about Turing bots. So if you're familiar with Alan Turing and the Turing bots, they said that about uh, 10% of like worldwide code and then software testing code, automated testing is going to be written by AI. So I, I thought that was a pretty accurate number. What do you think, Chris? Oh, I think so. And we've already seen progressions to that in different software, because when you astrodata and get data, if you're in you know unit tests at a very low level, you have examples of that data. So it's not like the person's doing anything creative. They're actually, it's a very rote recipe of how to do that. So that's totally going to happen. Yeah. And then they said about 10% of the Fortune 500 enterprise will generate content with AI tools. I mean, I think that's a given. I think that's like yes. the primary use case, right? So my LinkedIn feed is mostly marketing people and they're talking about this all over the place. I mean, I've written with AI tools that they work well. You do have to clean it up, but, you know, it gets you a good jump start. And then another one we talked about the trust and verify earlier about, you know, the, the right answers. So Forrester says 25% of the tech execs will report on AI governance. So this is similar to if you have to report on cybersecurity risk and governance, the AI, whether or not you can trust the model is, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be a board level topic. And, and I think that's accurate because you can't le- you know, lead all your workers in the wrong direction. Oh, I, I think so. And, and if you think about when you give answers to AI, probably the more answers or consistency in an answer, the higher it's going to rank as a response. But then, you know, you could actually have the opposite happen. And I've talked to customers about this when they said we're, we get emails into a call center and we categorize them. But even when a human does it, there are errors in the categorization. So if we're giving that to models to learn, there's going to be some level of inaccuracy that they have to determine and figure out how to scrub and fix. So yeah. I think it's going to be a really big thing for us to see addressed at the corporate level. 
Yeah. And I would rather, you know, with the email responses, I'd rather software answer that anyway. A friend of mine, he's a, a CIO in, at some financial services firm, and they played with chatbots. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, it, it deflects to the person so soon, the chatbot, because it doesn't know any, like, it never knows the answer to your specific question, right? Yeah. And, and he said that we had to do away with it because the agents, like their English was so bad that, you know, they couldn't type an accurate answer back. And I was thinking, man, you got to have software do that. So he's going to play with it again uh, a little bit later. But that's the biggest prediction that Forrester also had was that the, you know, virtual assistants is, you know, that is going to be the biggest use case, right? You know, helping someone do their job. Because if we have to trust and verify the answer, you know, and the software can help us get, you know, to at least a possibility quicker. That's the biggest use case. And, you know, you said that like in the contact center, uh, Gartner says the same thing. Gartner says like 10% of calls are going to be answered by virtual assistants. But um, the email thing that you described, Chris, is uh, I think that's a big use case. Yeah. And if you think about even in science fiction, when you talk to the computer, whether it's Hal which was a very computer voice around Star Trek or other things, they're not worried about the computer having emotion and being personified. You know, there's a lot of companies out there and their goal is to make their chatbots personified. So you don't know it's not a person. And I think that I'd be more worried about, can I actually get an actual answer and help someone out than having empathy for their question? It's, it's like, I want to, I'm more interested in, could I actually provide better service Versus providing empathy. I'm so sorry I couldn't help you with that answer, right? Yeah, you know, I think getting away from the avatar and the trying to make the chat bot or, you know, conversational AI human-like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a given because you you know, you know it's not a person. Although I am interacting with one of our vendors, like in a ticketing system, and I don't know what they have. The responsiveness is so incredible that like, and I've never talked to them on the phone. Like, I'm really curious if it's a person or software. I mean, it's incredible. Like the responsiveness and, you know, I don't know, I'm thinking he must stay up all night or something. It's definitely, I'm having my own Turing bot experience with a vendor. So moving on, Chris, if we look at the the conversations and how they've evolved, right? If I'm looking for an answer, I ask one question, I get an answer back. But, you know, what happens if, I don't get exactly what I'm looking for. Like, how is this really, you know, it's conversational AI. And I say that in, because that's what we're, you know, we're discussing. But if it's like, how is it different than just finding answers and then having a conversation? So I think there's two things that we have to look at. One is remembering that we're having a conversation in the context. Because a big challenge is when you work with systems, you say like, you ask a question, like, what's the balance of my savings account? And then you would say, when I give it a second instruction or conversation, you have context and remember things. So you'd say, okay, transfer $10,000 to my savings account or my money market or another account. But in most systems these days, you have to give both sides of the conversation. And really, you could say, we should be able to say, what's the balance of my savings account? That's great. Transfer $10,000 to my checking account. And the computer should reiterate back, I will transfer 10,000 female savings to your checking. And you not have to reiterate everything. They shouldn't be just 
without context. We have to remember the context and, and that going back and forth on a specific topic is not really personification. It's just making it usable, right? And when you look at chatbots, if you ask a question, in most cases, they don't remember the context of what your last question was to provide the next one. Even if it's like lookups, like I want to take a vacation to Hawaii. How many people do this each year? And then you say, what's the weather like? Well, you would not want to say Hawaii again. You would expect it remembers the context. So we're talking about Hawaii. What's the weather like? And you can ask, you know, different questions all in the context of one stream of thought. So I think remembering the context of a conversation and then building on it is something that really good conversation AI will do, and that will make it more useful. And it doesn't matter if it's, say, lookups on the internet or they're actually inside inside the firewall. So like at the enterprise level, you say, what's the um, outstanding balance for customer Acme Corp? And then you want to say, like, how many orders are outstanding? You don't want to see Acme Corp again because you're talking about Acme Corp, right? So that whole concept of can it remember the context of a conversation and then build on it? That's where I think that existing FAQ lookups and kind of Googling type searching doesn't work well. And it's where it's going. It actually gives you better customer service. Yeah, because the, the context builds the story, right? You know, in your Hawaii example, yeah, if you ask it the weather and it tells you the weather in Dallas versus, you know, where you're not talking helpful. about. Hot. I mean, I mean, that makes sense, right? It probably like knows yeah. your IP address and it says, hey, the weather is this, right? I mean, that is why I think, you know, calling it a virtual assistant is, you know, maybe accurate, not an offshore virtual assistant, but an actual AI one. Because like, that's why people, when they call customer service, they just hit zero, 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 or, you know, agent, agent, agent. Like every time yeah. I call the airline agent, 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 right? Because like, why am I the only one with this question? It seems counterintuitive that I would be the only one and I can't navigate through the tree, but the, the context builds the story, right? Because you understand where you want to go. You're just trying to figure out how to get there. And I think maybe the, you know, with the existing chatbots, like they're just, they just want to deflect that call and, and get this person, you know, you know, try to solve their issue as soon as possible. So they don't talk to an agent because talking to an agent, you know, costs $8 to solve your issue. Whereas if a software does it, it's 10 cents, right? It's a no brainer to try to get rid of those calls. But how do we like, you know, if you need this functionality inside of an enterprise to build the contextual conversation, what do some of these organizations need to do? Like, uh, and I'm thinking of big functions, you know, sales functions, uh, cyber functions, they use a lot of tools and have a lot of threat data. So they could definitely use something like this. But what are some examples that, that you've talked to customers about? Well, definitely around customer service. And like the email example you said, they want an email to be a continual conversation. If you ask a question about an invoice and then be able to, re- the computer software replies back and then the person has a second question. So it remembers the context and goes to the next one and the next one. That's really big. And then actually having like a chat bot on a website that actually has the context to be able to answer a question and go and keep it running. So that does mean that someone inside the enterprise is thinking about what are the common questions people have? What are the type of things we need to respond to? 
And it won't be pure magic. There'll be some human intervention to orchestrate and figure out how to respond back. But that's actually really, really big. I think another one that is a simple use case is if you think about so many times we give our customers a form and it says like fill out sections A and B and then and C it says, did you answer true or false to this question? If, if true, answer these questions as false, skipped four sections down and start answering. So our conversations could actually solve that problem because no one fills out those things well. Everybody has a problem when they're having to actually understand how to navigate a form. When you expect the user to navigate something, it doesn't matter if it's, a, it's like a PDF form or it's navigating seven pages in your ERP on your website to get to something, there's a problem. But conversations being back and forth and back and forth and having context, we should never present them with, say, questions they don't answer. So don't give them a giant form ask the first two questions and based on the responses, only give them the next question to answer that's in the context of what they're talking about. Those are things that we will as as like business analysts think about and say, these are problems. And we may not see as a problem because we see that form every day. We have to put ourselves in the context of the end user and think about how are they interacting with the form? How's the end user interacting with say a chat bot? So that whole you know, remembering and actually breaking things down. A conversation is literally back and forth and back and forth. We need to put that in the context of the user itself. How is the user interacting versus, you know, how do we think they should interact with? Yeah. And then do that dynamically by context and not Mm -hmm. hard code all those rules, right? So I can imagine filling out a, a survey and I've seen these, there, there are some smart forms that will skip questions based on your answers, right? But, you know, if if I'm filling out uh, some type of HR form and, you know, I state that I'm a male, then I probably am not going to get any kind of further female related questions or something like that, right? And, but they would actually hard code that into the form, but to dynamically do that with context and to improve the whole customer experience. It's either external customer or internal customer too, right? I think the the use cases for an internal customer are greater. I've actually got the perfect example of that. I mean, I've done my taxes online forever and every year it has a step. Okay. You've done your federal taxes. Let's look at your local taxes. I'm like, I live in Texas. We don't have local taxes. So why are you even presenting this question to me and checking it? It's like, that is so dumb. It's like, oh, by the way, you don't have the state level taxes in Texas. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. And so it's like, we, it should be smart enough to not even prompt me to say, then say, oh, by the way, I mean, that's bad customer service. It's like if a customer agent puts you on hold to ask the manager, just let me see if I can get you a discount on your phone, Scott, because you're a good customer. If they come back, yes, it's a win. If they come back, oh, Mm, sorry, you suck. We're not going to give you this discount. That's really bad, right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. This whole concept of asking the next question in the context, a simple example is a PDF form. A dumb and hard-coded rule is, well, don't ask people in Texas if they have local taxes. But a really good one is, you know, could you actually have the chatbot do the calculation in the background? Should we give someone a discount and only offer it if it's available, right? And that would be some business logic and business rules. It's like, but 
you know, that means the conversational and the AI behind it needs to understand who you are, your good customer, reference data and systems, and actually keep things on an upbeat note. Because how mad would you have been if if you walked in the store and said, oh, by the way, we're not going to give you this discount on this phone because we, we decided some business rule we didn't know about exists, right? Yeah, I, I can't think. I know that that has happened to me somewhere. I can't think of an example but, um, you know, just buying stuff online, like, why are you going to even offer that to me? You know, you know, it's not a fit for me. Um, yeah. you know, I have no history of this or whatever. Like, so my favorite is when you, when you buy something and like all the websites still want to sell it to you. I'm like, I already bought this, <laughs> you know, like yeah. somebody's wasting ad money, but, uh, that's yeah. a whole different topic. Well, good. Uh, thanks, Chris. Any closing thoughts that you want to leave with people before we let them go? So I think that we really need to think about chatbots. Don't think about over-personifying them. Like, I agree with Forrester on that for sure. But figure out how can you actually increase customer satisfaction. So don't think about it as a chatbot of how do we deflect users and not interact with them on the call center. How do we actually interact and engage with them to get them the right answer? And that's going to be actually using a, you know, standard things we do with chatbots of intent and entity identification, but then actually having the, the business workflows behind that to answer. And I think some of the answers will be like chat GPT, where they've indexed and looked up FAQs and got us answers. On the other side, it could be actually looking up and performing actions in a business system and allowing you to pick up where you left off. So if you've started a conversation and it says, I need some information, so you have to go look it up and an hour later you come back, don't forget and start over. Remember the context of where we were and continue where you are in that interaction itself. I think those are going to be the game changers and how we really have good traction in business with this conversational AI. Well, perfect. Thanks, Chris. And uh, thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for listening to The Union. I hope it was insightful and caused you to think about how you can influence technical advancements at your company. Please subscribe to The Union podcast series on your favorite podcast player to listen to past and future episodes. If you have a question for any of us or have a suggestion for the show, please email me at scott at Thanks for listening.